Hello and welcome to the Four Comic Junkies Podcast. When the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I'm your host, JJ Hodges. This, pod- this podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Go to batman-on-film.com for all the latest, greatest, uh, nicest, funniest, coolest news. I don't know. You get it. Just go there. You'll see, you'll see cool stuff. Um, today, we are continuing our Batman the Animated Series 30th anniversary uh, bonanza. Sure, why not? And I have uh, Chris Evans with me today to talk Almost Got Him. So thanks for joining me today, Chris. Thanks for having me. And I like the use of the word bonanza. <laughs> the buzzwords uh, get him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, this, uh, I was I was so excited that you picked this episode because it's, um, a, you know, subjectively one of my favorites. But I also think objectively one of the best episodes of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that factored into your decision. But uh, what else made you pick this one over, you know, the other 80 episodes? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny because when we talk about like the best episode, is it the best episode? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is it my favorite episode? Yes, it is. Reason yeah. being, you get so many of the villains in one and you get some solid Batman content at the same time. So it just kind of works for me. It's like the, it's kind of like a greatest hits of the animated series in a way. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. kind of the way I look at it. Uh, it's it's a good way to put it because it it almost feels like a uh, like a flat. Well, I mean, it is a flashback episode, but it almost feels like it's a memories episode. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, like uh, they're like, oh, you know, you know, my greatest victory against Batman and would for the Penguin would have been you know the um, um, the A Train yeah. thing. I, right, I forgot what right. he called it. It was a uh, the the Aviary of Doom. Yeah, Aviary. Of Doom. <laughs> it's um, funny. But, but it, it, but that could have easily been, you know, the the episode where he befriends Veronica Vreeland or something. Mm-hmm. So it was cool for this show to kind of take that format and say, "Oh, this was my greatest adventure with Batman, and it's something we haven't seen before," which is exciting. Well, yeah, but and the thing about it too is they were all like familiar scenarios, but they were still new. Yeah, and even the only one I say is kind of weird is Poison Ivy's because that mm-hmm. seems more like a, a scarecrow thing, complete yeah. with the pumpkins, but. It is right. what it is. It's fine. <laughs> well, like, like you know, pumpkins and Halloween seems like maybe that should have been his territory, but... I don't know how that worked out there, like, whose decision was that one, but I like Poison Ivy, so I'm not going to complain. Uh, same, yeah. Uh, I, I did like that she had a different outfit, too. She had that, like, you know, like the little the little black dress, right? You know? <laughs> it was and, less Ivy-like. Right. And it, and it's, it's fun for me, like, because, I don't know, I feel like when I was a kid... Uh, like Batgirl and uh, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn, where there was a little bit of a sexual awakening when I was a kid <laughs> with how these uh, how these women were drawn. You know, I'm not gonna lie. Maybe that sounds super weird, but uh, they were you know they were good looking women. <laughs> I, I guess they still are. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Diane Pershing who plays um, Poison Ivy. You know, she goes to the conventions and stuff, and she's. Uh, which is really cool because you know we don't get like Arlene Sorkin at those, um, you know. No, but... you get um, who's the second actress? I, I can never remember her name. She does everything. Uh, Tara Strong. You get her everywhere. Yeah, yeah. She's and I, I actually have a, a Batgirl autograph from her that I got during the pandemic. Um, oh. Yeah, it's because uh, it was like, so do I pick Batgirl or Harley Quinn? It's like I can get Harley Quinn later. It's got to be Batgirl first, but <laughs> that's a whole other story. But um, 
But yeah, this. Uh, well, let me ask you this. You know, uh, do you remember seeing this episode when you when you were a little kid? Not really. I, I mean, because the show premiered in '92, so I was only six. Mm-hmm. I, I know that I was like sucked into the show. Yeah. Like individual episodes at the time, no. This the episodes that stood out to me more were like the Two Face origin mm-hmm. and like Robin stuff like that. Right. Um, it, I I I don't know if I saw this uh, like when it first aired or anything like that. I couldn't tell you that, but I do remember seeing. Uh, you know, like ads for it, especially when the show went to the WB and uh, the or kids WB, I should, I should say, and they did uh, like the Batman Superman hour. Um, but I also, you know, when I got the DVDs, like this was one I rewatched very frequently because it was like, oh my God, this episode is just so, so exciting and so fun. And so like, you know, we're getting, it, it feels like an updated version of the, uh, uh, of the uh, of the sixties series, you know what I mean? Yeah, I I totally get that. It it feels kind of like um like a spiritual successor in a way, but it also yeah. retains what we saw in the Burton films. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we get we get the best. Uh, yeah, we get these like cool little introductions for the characters. We just see their hands, you know, and you know, and hear their voices. It's just enough for us to go like. Okay, so that's you know, so it's Penguin, it's Two Face, it's Joker, it's Killer Croc, and then you know when Poison Ivy comes in, it's so like it, you know it 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 has a it, it's almost as if we're starting the episode in media res, right? You know, but it's it's no, we're we're just jumping on with with them as they start their card game, and you know, inevitably, of course, the conversation is going to turn towards Batman. Yeah, and. I love the opening, but I think my favorite part is when they just start to go around and interact with each other and we see it. Yeah. And even like the, that's, it's a real subtle thing when the Joker switches his cards, mm-hmm. like he gets the card out of his jack. I love that. It's a subtle thing that just fits the character and adds yeah. a little something extra fun to it before they actually get into the, the flashback sequences and stuff. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny that they, uh, you know, th- there's little character beats too where, you know, Two Face thinks that there's a bunch of different Batman running around. Yeah, that was and, fun. and Kill- right, and you know, Killer Croc thinks that Batman's a robot, and um, it's like, where's the Joker? He's like, Joker and Penguin are pretty much like, oh no, it's just one dude. We know it's one dude, but you know, the other guys are like, oh, I don't know. I think there's other stuff going on here, and um, it's just, it's such a, it's funny to see all of them interact. Like they don't like each other necessarily but you know it's like hey if this is the only place we have to hide then we're gonna hide here in a way it's kind of like uh when you watch the dark knight and the joker walks in on their meeting it kind of reminds me of that in retrospect oh yeah yeah it's kind of a fun thing like that too and also it's just interesting to think do the villains like see each other because they're all after the the same goal anyway so do they regularly like do they have meetings do they have like a club they like to hang out yeah it's and that's what's kind of funny about it is you know you get you get the sense that this isn't the first time they've done this and just little bits in the dialogue you know Joker's like I want a nice clean game and they're like oh that'd be a first you know like yeah. so clearly like they've been doing this for a long time even if they're not comparing almost Gotham stories they still get together every now and then and, and that is an interesting bit that you bring up like oh are they like do do they do this regularly is it just like this was a one this was like the first time in a long time, first time ever, you know, who knows, right? 
I'd like to think that they spend Sundays together or something. <laughs> <laughs> like one of them cooks dinner and everybody comes over. It's like a wine party. I don't know. I'd like to believe that's what happens. That that would be interesting to see, just like in the suburbs, you know, the villains pull up. And <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine like Oswald would would uh, have to host it, though, because he's kind of the most I – I would think he's the most well-to-do with them. He's the most wealthy. Sure, sure. And, and maybe the most normal. Yeah. Call him. And, you know, he's got, like, the, the hot tea that he's pouring, and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, whereas, like, and Two-Face has half and half, you know, so it's of course. funny little bits like that. Um, and, uh, but I, but let me ask you, uh, skipping ahead a bit here, with, uh, did, when you were watching it, you know, what, you know as, as we were getting older, obviously, did you, you know, guess the Killer Croc twist or remember that? Because... I remember being surprised by it the first time I had seen it and maybe like since I was a little kid, like when I was watching the DVDs going, oh, that's right. He was Batman the whole time. No, it's a surprise. I, I don't uh, think I guessed it at all. I, I don't remember the first time I watched it, but I remember other times I watched it. Mm-hmm. So maybe like the second or third is the first time I remember. And yeah, it was a surprise to me. But, you know, it, rewatching it this week, I wasn't surprised, of course, because I knew. Yeah, yeah. I forgot how there's really no um, indication. There's no hint. It's it just comes out of nowhere. It's and it's uh, the reveal is really cool too. You know mm-hmm. where you know he stands up, talks like Batman, and then it you know it doesn't really make any sense. But the but the light swinging, you know, yeah. and it has the Batman silhouette. You know, it's it, you know, but this, the show did that a lot. I feel like it would do like Batman shadow in really cool, interesting ways that. Maybe if you really thought about it, we go. Well, that doesn't make any sense, but but looked awesome. And so us as the fans, like if we didn't get it, like it's being pounded home. Like oh no no, it's it's Batman. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things the the TV series or the anime series rather borrowed a lot from comics because in comics, Batman gets in some ridiculous poses and there's some di- ridiculous shots of him that really aren't possible and make yeah, zero yeah. sense. Right, right. And I like that the anime series took that and said, yeah, we could do that too. This yeah. is a great example because it makes zero sense. It it's also cool to have the you get uh, you know you get four episodes in one in a mm-hmm. way, right? You know you get all of them telling their stories, um, you know, except for Killer Croc, you know. But uh, that's <laughs> but the the funny part about that to me is that I can imagine that 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 maybe that did happen. That Batman is thinking like, well, I got to come up with a story, and you know. Well, this actually did happen. Like Killer Croc threw a rock at me, and I dodged it. You know, <laughs> I, I I love that myself. I, that's what I quote that all the time. I threw a rock at him. <laughs> it's hilarious. It it's just, and it's uh, it's such a rare thing for that funny bit to get a moment to breathe, right? You know, I threw a rock at him, and then there's a good solid like twenty twenty five seconds where nobody says anything. They just all look at him like, and. Yeah, you know? right, and then, and then they just move on. Like so, anyway. Uh, he's like, "Well, it was a big rock," you know. <laughs> and then, like you said, Batman had to come up with that. So at the end of the episode, you kind of circle back to that in your head and think, "Oh, so he just thought of that, right?" <laughs> but right. when Croc says it, you buy it because that's the way Croc was portrayed in the series. Yeah. He was never really shown to be that uh, intelligent, I suppose. <laughs> right. He he wasn't masterminding. An aviary of doom, or right. you know, a, a giant, giant coin, thing. yeah. <laughs> um, which I think is is interesting to to watch this and and see the different bits play out. Um, whereas I, I kind of joked with myself, I was like, 
I, I kind of think Penguin got the closest to almost got him, you know? Like, is he actually got away in the end, right? <laughs> That's a good question. Or a good idea. Um, yeah. I kind of think Two-Face almost had him. Yeah, yeah. If he hadn't, you know, he hadn't grabbed the coin, you know, how else would he have gotten out of there? Yeah, that was a close one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but th it's the kind of stuff that I think... Uh, I, I grew to really love about the show was these really awesome wild scenarios that Batman would get caught up in. And I never felt like, well, this is ridiculous, you know, like, or anything like that. And even now watching it as an adult, I, you know, of course, Batman flying off a giant penny is one thing, but it's, it's still really cool to watch and feel like, man, this just feels like a superhero movie, like a little mini superhero movie that I get to watch. And um, that doesn't have to worry about, being uh, being re being too too grounded in reality, and no offense to the Nolan movies or the Matt Reeves movie, mm -hmm. but it's it's just there's something awesome about that feeling like I'm watching a superhero. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just Batman. Yeah, there's no <laughs> rules to it. There's no it has to stay in this bubble. It's just Batman, and that's one of the things that I love about the series too. Is mm -hmm. There's no restrictions. Like yeah. you could have Man Bat flying around, and you know. Bruce with a helicopter, like grappling onto it. You could do that stuff. Right. Um, and, and I love that we get to see the, you know, the, these, uh, you know, technically five different villains and, and their, and even their different perspectives on Batman. Like what, you know, like we were talking about before, you're like, oh, you know, oh, I, I think he's, I think it's an army of guys. I think he's a robot, you know, whatever. And, and you get to see just how, I guess, I don't know. It, it, it's 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 interesting how they're all interacting with the same person, but they have such a they all have such different relationship with him, right? Yeah, I like that too because the Joker, of course, has the most specific relationship with Batman. That's just a given in any medium we find yeah. them in. Um, but it's it's also nice to see like Two Face has his part, uh, and mm. also I, I just remember this: Two Face and Ivy even have that moment at the start too. Oh so yeah, yeah, continuity. That's cool. Um, but Penguin has a relationship, and I think that that adds to just the way the stories of the series were created and shown to us, where everything happens. This isn't like every episode is its own thing, and then we forget about it. No, there's a continuity here. Yeah, yeah. And their relationships with him play out in, in these stories like that. It, that's And it's really well done because it's, you know, each each bit is very specific to the, the, the villain doing it. Mm -hmm. Um and it also, so it doesn't, and it doesn't feel out of place. Like, you know, well, wait a second. The last episode was was so dark and serious, and this one's a little bit more lighthearted. Right. It it all it all gels really well together, which is not easy to do, really, when you're telling a when you're telling a long form story like this. It's not, especially with these kind of characters where they yeah. they picked a, you know, they're all different. They didn't mm -hmm. pick just the the like the penguin types. Yeah, the calmer types. They mixed it up really well, and and they all feel, and, and and they all have a good chemistry together too. You know, like Warner Brothers was really good about getting uh, the actors together to record together, um, which doesn't really happen uh, very often, um, but it it makes the performances that much better because we get we get them to kind of play off of each other and and what their and their different energies and everything and. It, it makes it that much more 
it adds that much more reality to it. Even if we didn't pick up on it when we were kids, yeah. like I, I pick up on it now feeling like, man, this, this show just like, this could be like a one act play, you know, that's being performed and like the flashbacks are on a projector or something like that. It's just, it's so cool, right? Like it just, it feels very intimate, but it also feels very big because the stories are like literally life or death, right? Yeah. But, and they always come back to that small, that small thing of them at the table. Yeah. And you know, watching it now as an adult, I don't know if you feel this way, but it's when you hear it, when you hear them speaking and you watch it, you could, I could, like, if I didn't see it, I would think that that's just a couple of people sitting around a table. Like, if I wasn't actually looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. It does, uh, they, they do a great job of, uh, of setting the atmosphere with, even if you're not watching it, which mm-hmm. is cool. If you just hear it, you can think, yeah. oh, okay, something's on TV and, you know, it, it could be a live action movie. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just funny to see, like, like Joker's, you know, Joker's cheating and yeah. the, the rest of them are kind of like, yeah, what's going on here? And, uh, but so you get, you get a sense of like, like, like I said, they've probably done this before. There's some, there, there feels like a history, not just with Batman, but with each other too, mm-hmm. um, which again is 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 hard to do but when you have these actors that clearly were getting along and having good chemistry it makes it that much more exciting to watch right it really does it's i think growing up everybody loved these versions of the characters Mm -hmm. and just to have them all in one episode it does a lot yeah and and of course you know like this one led to like the the trial episode which is even bigger Mm -hmm. um and i think it's it's cool to have those moments where you feel like oh like this like this is a, a world that's been lived in, you know, and uh, you get, you know, we we understand who the Joker is in his bit and in Two Face's bit. It just there's so much world building, but it's still a very intimate story, which again is, you know, we'll probably say this a hundred more times. You know, it's not easy to do, right? It's it's, it's not. You're, Especially uh, in animated format. Yeah, uh, for for a kids' TV show, right? You know, right. this this is uh, not this episode isn't as mature as some of the other ones would be, but this one does feel like you know, there's there's stuff that would go over your head, you know, as a kid, um, but um, but so watching it as an adult, I don't feel like oh well, this is one of the the the, the lighter episodes. Like it, it is, but not. I don't mean that as a knock, like, oh, this is for the kids. Like, no, no, this is still for me. I, you know, I don't even know if I would say it's one of the lighter episodes at all, because generally they're talking about almost killing Batman. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's kind of the gist of it. Yeah. So I, I, I have heard people dismiss this as, oh, it's just one of those kitty ones. I have mm-hmm. heard that. And okay. You guys watch the episode? They're talking about almost killing him. And every, like the penguin, you're right. He almost poisoned him. Yeah. Yeah, his deathbed. There, he's about to call Alfred. Right. It, it's a. Uh, it's and it's interesting how they kind of the the episodes kind of or the the bits uh, escalate. Right. You know, they go from, you know, Poison Ivy who had the poison pumpkins, and you know, Batman dispatches her fairly quickly, um, and then you get Two Face, and you get Penguin, and then you get uh, Joker's, which you know it's. Joker's playing the long game with it, right? And that, and that that makes it, uh, and that's also a good storytelling technique to have that escalation because it'd be weird if they were, you know, spaced out differently, 
then you'd be like, okay, well, like Penguin did way better than Poison Ivy, but yeah. it's only afterward that you think about it, not during the episode, if that makes any sense. It does, because I, I think afterward you do kind of rank the, the almost gotems, you know? Right. And then the final one, which isn't trying to kill him, is kind of the best one. Yeah, it's just trying to, you know, just Be ruin written. his life. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially ruin his life. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, and and it's a, and it's a, it's a good moment too, where uh, you, you know, we don't get Robin in this episode, which is kind of shocking, actually. But uh, but having Catwoman be there to help is cool because it's like, I almost prefer that over Robin or Batgirl, right? I do too. I'm not really a big fan of the Bat Family. I know that's sacrilegious. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a gigantic fan. I love Damien, but. Um, and this, it was cool to see Catwoman also, this is one of the things that went over my head as a kid, there was a Bat-Cat relationship there. Yeah, yeah. Completely over my head as a kid, as an adult, like, oh, okay, I get that. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, the first episode with Catwoman, you know, she's, I mean, she is thirsty for some Batman, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> she, it's it's sort of like in a, in a weird, like, Lois Lane Superman kind of way where she loves Batman and just wants to get Bruce Wayne the boot, you know? Oh, I, uh, I was going to compare it more to Chase Meridian. Oh, okay, yeah, even better. You know, keep it in the family. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's like that. Uh, yeah, and well, you know, they even you know made her look like uh, Michelle Pfeiffer from mm -hmm. the from the movie. Uh, and Penguin obviously looks he's slightly more human humanoid than as Day close as you can get without upsetting parents. Right, right. Um, and it's it's funny because he looks more like that, but he still has the very kind of dapper Penguin attitude from mm -hmm. the comic books, right? Um, like he. He's almost a like a white collar criminal, you know. <laughs> yeah, and the penguin is one of my favorite characters. I think he's a little bit underrated, mm. um, but I love the penguin because he is that dapper villain. And yeah. this, you know, I love the Danny DeVito one, but I feel like if DeVito's didn't die and returns, if he were to live like in a hypothetical Burton world, he would have became this penguin, this version. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Uh, I never really thought about that to be honest with you, but you, you know, you maybe you're right. Um, and it's great to have, you know, the these villains, you know, like Killer Croc that we don't get a lot of in the in the series. Um, like probably between all of them, Joker and Two Face were in the most episodes, if I had to guess. Um, I actually knew the count. Now I can't remember, but Joker is in a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, it makes sense. He's Batman's greatest enemy, right? Um, but then also having the the Harley Quinn of it, and and there's. And, and don't get me wrong, like I, I love what Harley Quinn's doing nowadays in the sh in the comics and in the movies mm -hmm. and everything, but there is a part of me sometimes that misses Harley as a villain, you know. I agree with that. I do miss the full-on villainous Harley Quinn, and I feel like since the movie, the uh, the Suicide Squad airs, mm -hmm. um, I feel like nobody wants that version anymore, the villain version, because they want the air, the Marco Robbie version. Yeah, it's like, well, I kind of like the villain one. <laughs> I, I, I like her I like her in this one because she's you know, we we get to take away the uh, the abusive side of their relationship mm -hmm. and just have them be like she's a hench girl for the Joker, which yeah. was uh, was her original in, intention anyway. She wasn't supposed to be this like massive character that is all about trauma and stuff like that. You know, that came much later. Mm -hmm. Um so to have, so you know, just to have this like very basic idea, like 
oh, she's going to help Joker kidnap Catwoman and then kill Catwoman and then tries to taunt Batman in the end. And that's like one of the best parts, you know, that when you talk about the almost Gotham's, like Harley Quinn came not at all the closest because Batman was a step ahead of her the whole time, you know. Um, and that's just such a funny bit at the end there. It is. And it's like you said, it's just good to see that version of Harley. Yeah. She was common in the, in the anime series, but I feel like that version just exists there now. Yeah. Um, you know, and because she didn't make her debut in the comic books until uh, No Man's Land, which was uh, like the, I think like 99, 2000, 2001, something like that. Um, so she only existed in the animated series for, you know, almost the first 10 years of her existence. And then, uh, and now she's sort of been like retconned where she's like always been there. Um, but then again, like, <clears throat> you could say the same thing about Bane, who's, you know, around like 30 years old and comes to the comic book continuity. Yeah, they if they're successful, they're going to insert them anywhere they can, which is fine with me. Like, I love Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah. I love too. Bane, too. It yeah. doesn't bother me. But it is interesting when you look at the history of Harley Quinn, where she came from, and then where she is now. It You know, uh, one of my favorite aspects is when they can retcon them, like, because Bane and Harley Quinn were in the um, Batman 66 comic book that Jeff Parker mm -hmm. wrote. Um, and he found interesting ways to retcon them into that that world's continuity, and and that's where the best characters are, right? They fit they fit in there seamlessly, mm -hmm. you know, because he found a way to, you know, I don't know, like sixty-five them or whatever, you know, however you want to refer to it. Those are probably easy to sixty-six five. We're going to use that term. That's right, probably easy yep, to sixty-six more so than someone like. Um, or like a man bat or or maybe a hush oh yeah yeah good point uh, but yeah like harley quinn if you look at the base character is a henchwoman for the joker like and just how we saw her initially so yeah I, you could easily put her in stuff but then like did you see the are you a fan of the batman animated series yeah yeah that version was really cool too because they they went full on with the relationship between them too mm -hmm. and she was also really evil so that worked yeah. out that, that's actually one of my favorite episodes of the Batman and, and written by Paul Dini too. Yeah. Um, and she's only in one episode of the, uh, Brave and the Bold. Uh, and it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a barely Harley version, right? Um, she's in the, um, the, the Emperor Joker episode. If you remember that okay. one, I have not um, watched Brave and the Bold. Oh, okay. Well then, <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, uh, you know, I, I, I love them when they find ways to put these characters and put their own spin on them. I'm very much looking forward to seeing Lady Gaga's version. Um, so I don't know how you, <laughs> I can well, kind of tell maybe you don't feel the same way. Well, no, no, no. I, I, I don't know if you've ever talked about it. I don't like Joker at all. The movie. Oh, yeah. that's you, You've told me that. You've told yeah, me that yeah. yeah. But this new one, because Lady Gaga is in it as Harley or whoever, and it's half musical or something. Mm -hmm. In on this. I'm oh yeah, tired to yep. see Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. I, I hope she's Harley Quinn. I think it's going to be. It, it'll be something. That's for sure. You know. That's um, a good way to put it. I'm, I'm, but, for whatever it is, I'm excited. I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I I got really into, you know, the, you know the Harley Quinn character obviously because of this show and mm -hmm. and it's so it's so interesting you know how she evolved so much and. And same with all the characters, you know, like they, I mean, we talk about 
when you talk about stuff that Batman, the animated series, added to the legacy of Batman, you know, it's Mr. Freeze's origin, you know, mm-hmm. Harley Quinn, um, <clears throat> uh, Renee Montoya, even though she appeared in the comic books first, she was actually created by the, the TV show writers. Um, but, um, you know, the, the show just added a lot of uh, depth and complexity to Batman that is, you know... It, it's evident in this episode, you know, because we get to tell these four different Batman adventures in one and it doesn't feel like it's too much or that we're like, okay, like I'm lost. Like who's, who's this guy? And what's he doing? You know, like it's, if this is your first episode of the show, you're, 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 it's, it's a good one because you get just like you said before, it's, it's the greatest hits, right? It's probably an excellent introduction episode to someone who's never watched the show before. Like if you want to show them, this is a great um, example of what the show is. Mm-hmm. You get all the villains, like I said. You get the tone is there. You can mm-hmm. see the tone varies from story to story. I think it's a great way just to show somebody this is this is what I love. Yeah, <laughs> and and you get to have a black and white sequence, which the show did as as often as it could. And it looks great in black and white. It, it looks it looks so good. Um, and that that fight, you know, that happens there. I just uh, you know, in the in the TV studio, I I just was like, man, you know, because I know Bruce Tim, he he said he wishes he could have done an entire episode in black and white, and I'm watching it going, you know, you probably could have found a way, man. Like, <laughs> there's a I don't know how they did really good. What's that? Like, I don't know how they didn't, or even why is there not a black and white version of Mask of the Phantasm? Yeah, yeah, especially those flashbacks, right? <laughs> that would have been amazing. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's. It's so cool to have this. Uh, it's it's a it's a fairly simple plot, you know. Just oh, it's you know five of the villains, you know, around a poker table, trading stories about Batman, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a weirdly relatable story because how many of us, you know, <clears throat> like I mean, we don't live close together, but if we did, if we were to you know play poker together, be like, oh, so you know, how's how are the kids? Oh, pretty yeah. good, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you'd have that camaraderie there. Right, right. Uh, that you know, you don't. Uh, and it, this isn't an episode that where they did this a lot, but the show wasn't afraid to have, to break the formula, to not have like, well, this isn't a villain of the week episode where Batman's going to fight and then he's going to lose and he's going to track him down. Then he fights him again. And it's like, no, this is very much like, like I said, you get like four or five mini episodes in one. And, and it's just, it's just a blast to watch. It really is. This is, it, it's like, it's just so much fun. And, yep. and then you even get like Gordon is in it out of nowhere. Yep. Like yep. all the other players in the in the bar or whatever, they're all mm-hmm. cops. It's yeah. And, and the villains didn't even notice because they were so focused on their own thing. Right. Yeah. It's so cool. It's it's such a it's such a good ending too. And and Batman saying, you know, I'm not that bad at doing traps myself. Yeah. It's those those moments. Even when I was a kid, when it was just a little victory for Batman, where he, it's like, oh, he was a step ahead the whole time. That's those are the ones I loved the most, you know, mm-hmm. just the Batman victory that, you know, didn't that didn't come from his gumption or, you know, his last, you know, his last breath or something. It came from the fact that he was prepared. He's always prepared. That's, that's oh, yeah. the thing. And, and I think those are I agree. Those are the, his best victories when it's him just being a step ahead of whoever it is. Yeah. Instead of him, like I see, I like seeing him beat the crap out of people too. But sure. it's always cool when he can be that step ahead first. And and you know, and, and when he has it with uh, Harley at the end, you know, and 
she's like, either, either, you know, take me in or save your girl. You can only do one. And he just turns, <laughs> turns the power off. It's just like, I just laugh every time. I'm like, that's so good because you know, it's not going to be, it's not a Gwen Stacy moment, right? You know, he's, no, he, definitely he doesn't, not. he doesn't have to pick or, we're not, well, uh, I guess a better example would be uh, the first Spider-Man, which obviously is based on the death of Gwen Stacy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what that I mean? Like, uh, yeah, that's a good one. But uh, it's, uh, you know, and you just, it's also like, at that point, we've had so much action. It's it's nice to have, a you know, a comedy beat at the end, right? Uh, we didn't need another, you know, almost got him with Harley and Batman. Yeah, and even the, I wouldn't. It's not really even like a laugh. I like, like, oh, that's hilarious kind of thing. It's just, oh, Batman's smarter. Yeah, yeah, and and but I also love that you know having Catwoman come and save the day. It, you know, we get we get uh, even though she's not in the episode a lot. Uh, the same thing with the other villains. We get we get her side of it. We get what she's doing, and and especially at the end when she and Batman have their moment on the rooftop. It's just it it feels like you know, that's happened in the show before, you know, them on the rooftop talking and flirting and whatever, but it just, there's a familiarity to it. Like, even if, like I said, you know, if this was your first episode, you'd be like, they've done this before, haven't they? You know? <laughs> the seeds are definitely there and watching it made me want to go back and watch the other Catwoman episode that came before it. Cause I don't remember what it was. Clearly there was one. <laughs> uh, it <laughs> might've been the, either the cat in the claw or something else. Yeah. She's this, she's in she's in a few episodes, yeah, yeah. She is, and and they kind of offer the most continuity, I think, in the series. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was actually really good. This one might have been the one before when uh, the Rupert Daggett uh, and his thugs are um, poisoning all the stray animals, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that if they bite somebody, then Daggett will have the cure, right? Um, episode. <laughs> yeah. There's, well, there's one of the best bits that you'd only catch as an adult, I think, is uh, Catwoman gets poisoned and she, and Batman, you know, feels her forehead and he's like, oh my god, you're hot. And she goes, well, now you notice. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, when I was a kid, I was just like, huh? And like, as an adult, I'm like, oh, you guys, that's it's a good funny. one. Yeah, it's funny because when you watch a show as an adult, it's like, how did I understand this as a kid with certain yeah. things? Because mm -hmm. certain plots are just full-on adult stories, I think. Yeah. It, and it um, it's it's interesting, you know, that the show was wasn't afraid to be mature, wasn't afraid to push the envelope a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, my friend uh, Lance brought up a good point where, you know, what I said was that I felt like the Batman, Superman, Batman Beyond, Justice League, or when you talk about all ages, that this actually is all ages. Any age can watch it and get mm -hmm. it. Um, and he compared that to like what Pixar does. You know, their their movies are fairly mature and could easily go over a kid's head, but there's just enough visually interesting and the plots are simple enough that kids can follow. And, and not only that, but adults can watch and go, Oh my gosh, like I'm relating to this cartoon, right? You know what I mean? I felt that way with inside out. Yes. Yes. I love inside. It's one of my favorite Pixar movies. And uh, that's actually the first movie I took. We took our daughter to at the time she was very little, but girl, you know, now she's a little bit older. She's rewatched it and she enjoys it too, but we enjoy it for different reasons. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful movie. Um, and I, it's funny cause I think that about, um, the, the recent Disney remakes, uh, the live action remakes where I, 
I was like, why are they making these? This is silly. You know, and then I went to go see Beauty and the Beast in the movie theater, and I was in tears watching. This was before my kid was even born, but I was in tears going, I get it. This, this, is, this is for them. Just mm-hmm. like the, when the original animated movies came out, that was for us. This is for right. them. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, really. No, I like it. I, I don't have no problem with it. And I like stuff where all ages can watch it, like those movies, all the, the Timverse, I think is what they call it. That's what the cool kids call it, the Timbers. Yeah, right. <laughs> I like all ages stuff. It, it works better for everyone. Yep. If you can put this on in the living room and whoever can watch it can watch it. You know, and it's it's fine to have something like Harley Quinn, which is, you know, obviously just for adults. But um, right. it's but I think, you know, that that show, not just because it's Harley Quinn, but in general, owes it's owes so much to uh, Batman, the animated series, you know, I mean, oh, definitely. I mean, look at the way Alan Tudyk and Diedrich Bader play Joker and Batman, right? You know, it's their influences are very obvious, right? <laughs> well, even if you look at the Arkham games, mm-hmm. the Arkham games are basically Batman the animated series with a small extra dose of maturity. Yep, and that's what they are. They even have Conroy and Hamill. <laughs> yep, yep. I and I, uh, I, I love those games, but I will admit to watching the the cutscenes as a movie, like you know, people put those together on YouTube. Oh yeah. Just because it's like, uh, and I feel that way about Injustice as well. It's like, well, these are fun games to play. I'm not much of a gamer, but, you know, I I can easily be talked into playing a comic book game. Uh, But, uh, (laughs) duh. But, uh, you know, those, uh, it's funny because I interviewed uh, a friend of mine, you know, for like Joker's 80th anniversary, you know, a couple years ago and asked him, you know, when, you know, he's he's younger than we are. Like, you know, when, when did you get into Batman and Joker? He said it was the Arkham games. And and that's interesting that, you know, us calling it, because uh, I agree with you that it's kind of a uh, spiritual sequel to the yeah. animated series. So it's like, oh, so by proxy, you're also an animated series fan, right? You know, because it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, if you like those, you will love the animated series. Yeah, yeah. It's, the same vein. Yeah, uh, written by Paul Dini, too, of mm-hmm. course, uh, who is, you know, from where I'm sitting, you know, and I don't want to get into all the recent DC universe news that's going on with the movies and stuff. But if you wanted somebody to be a Kevin Feige for DC, then there he is. He's right there. You know, I wouldn't complain, but like you said, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, but, but it's a shame, but, uh, but at the same time, there's a period when, uh, when I was getting older, I was rewatching the shows and I would, and I started to learn who all the writers and directors and animators were. Um, and I would, deliberately seek out the Paul Dini episodes because no offense to the other guys, but they tend to be the best episodes. They are. Paul Dini just gets the universe. Yeah. The whole DC universe, not just Batman. He gets them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's his, and I am including Superman with that. Like he mm-hmm. wrote the Lobo episodes, um, you know, and, and they're, and they're just great episodes. They're, they're funny. They're smart. They're, and they, and they're, they feel huge too, you know? They do. The, the scale of those episodes and just e- even um, when you watch the Batman so, the Batman episodes, some of them have this scale that you don't expect mm-hmm. from animation that's a 20-minute series or a 20-minute yep. episode. You expect right. that maybe from a film that's, you know, 90 minutes or something like that, but not these 22-minute episodes. And Dini does great with that. Yeah, he's I, – I guess um... – he was tapped by Warner Brothers in like 98 or 99 to write, uh, no, I think it was like 2000 to write a Batman Beyond movie. And mm-hmm. I think he wrote a draft 
yeah. it, they didn't end up doing it, which is a huge, and I remember reading about that when I was a kid, being so excited, like, oh, well, this is the best thing you can do, right? You know, is do the next Batman be Batman Beyond? Um, and obviously they, they didn't do that. They still haven't done that. I think that was somewhat the plan with Batgirl was going to be, she was going to be the Terry McGinnis-esque type of character. Again, a whole other conversation I do not want to get into because, no. <laughs> uh, you know, we don't have we'll that much. We're going to be on movie one day. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, um, you know, and, and, and the episode directed by Eric Radomski, you know, it's, it's you know, who is, you know, one of the creators with Bruce Timm. And, and, and again, it just you just feel like you're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting its best writer, its creator or co-creator, and you're getting just what feels like a very simple episode, just a couple of guys around the table, you know, bullshitting about Batman. And then all of a sudden it, it turns into something else, especially when the Joker goes, because, you yeah. know, you just, he's teasing him the whole time going, Oh, I, I got a story, but it's the last one, you know, and, and it builds up to that. Yeah. And, and they're all kind of horrified too. You know, when they look at him, he's like, Oh yeah, I kidnapped Catwoman. I'm going to, you know, mash her into cat food. And they all look at him like, holy shit, this guy's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and I think at the time, they still considered her one of them. Yeah. She, I mean, she was on that anti-hero road, but still, Catwoman is always going to be Catwoman. She can always right. roll with either either group. Right. And uh, it's... Uh, but I, I like uh, what uh, Tom King and Clay Mann were doing with their Batman Catwoman series, because it, you know, obviously with Phantasm being a part of it and Joker being a big part of it, it, they very clearly were inspired by this show and the the relationship that Batman and Catwoman had. I got to read that. I've only read the first three. And I oh, said I'm going to read it when it gets to trade, and it's here. <laughs> it, I highly recommend. It's uh, it, like a lot of Tom King things. It's it's such a different flavor that it takes a second, I think, to I get like into. I, I, I do too, but it... Um, it, to, it, just, it just takes me a minute to readjust. You know what I mean? Mm. Like... I feel that way about Snyder's Batman too. Oh yeah, yeah, because his Batman is a little different too. And you, and then I guess that's with any writer you have to adjust to what this guy's doing or this lady's doing. Yeah, um, but the one person I feel like I don't have to do that with is Grant Morrison. I just know it's like I just have to set my mm -hmm. brain to crazy and go yeah. in, and I'll I'll understand it just fine. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There are no rules. Whatever goes, whatever happens, right. happens. Uh, well, actually, right before Doom Patrol came out, uh, like off topic. I read his at least the first volume of Doom Patrol he did. Mm -hmm. I, I bought like on the DC Universe app because this was before DC. No, this was before DC Universe uh, was a thing. So I, I bought like a digital copy of the comic book from Comixology. I was in line and I read the whole thing. Like I couldn't put it down. You know, <laughs> I was just like, "Holy crap, this is awesome!" Oh yeah, I've heard great things about his Doom Patrol. Oh, it's, it's fantastic, and especially if you like the first season of Doom Patrol, it's very much that. I haven't got through it. It's it it it's again. You have to sort of adjust yourself yeah. to it. Uh, it's very out there, and that's fine. But it is really out there stuff. Yeah. It it is pretty wild. Um, but I, you know, I that's but that's also the best part about comic books, isn't it? Is that you know, like Sandman just came out, which I haven't watched yet. Unfortunately, I, I'm going to get to it. It you get to have really amazing, gigantic stories. Um, but they can also feel very personal and intimate. Mm -hmm. And I think Batman the Made series was especially good at that, you know, feeling like if there's world ending events or even if there's not, 
it it can still feel gigantic. The show wasn't afraid to, you know, show Gotham City, you know, with with its, you know, visually and also with the music and with the and with the performances, especially like this feels like we're watching a mini movie every week as opposed to, you know, just like just like a fun cartoon to sit and kill 20 minutes with. Right. Yeah. It's not Animaniacs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's something more here. There's something to chew on, something that, that you take with you after the episodes, I think. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and, you know, uh, Chris, this has been a total blast getting going through this episode with you. Um, one of my favorites. So I was super excited that somebody picked it and uh, and, you know, and to get to sit here and talk to you again is awesome. It's always a good time. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, if people are uh, throwing up the signal, trying to find you out there in the interwebs, where can they find you? You guys can follow me on Twitter at that Chris seven zero. But I do prefer you follow the podcast YouTube show that I do with my buddy Emmett Davis over at Via the Geeks on Twitter. Uh, check them out. Emma Davis, also a great guy, uh, who's uh, going to be on the show, too. Uh, he picked an episode. I don't remember what it is, but he picked one. And uh, oh, I, think I forgot. Uh, yeah, he, we, I was just looking at the list uh, before we recorded uh, so I can keep track so I don't bother you again and go, hey, we haven't recorded yet. And you can be like, oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do Batman in my basement next time. <laughs> the best, uh, objectively the best episode of the series. You just, just let me know when you're ready. Just ask Bruce Tim. He'll tell you that. <laughs> um, well, thanks again, Chris. Uh, as for me, you can find me at Four Comic Junkies on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, mostly Twitter. Uh, please, if you're listening to this um, Apple podcast, write a review, subscribe, you know, get uh, get the word out for uh, the Four Comic Junkies podcast. Uh, three years in, we're going strong, and I don't plan on stopping anytime soon, you know. So I guess you can say I almost got him. But no, I mean... No, you really can't say that. I'll, I'll think of something. I'll think of something. Tune into the next episode. I'll have it. I promise. I'll have it. <laughs>